really, really fantastic to be here in lots of different ways. Uh, my wife and I were actually baptized in Hearn Bay. And so this is kind of a spiritual home away from home. Um, obviously, you can tell by my voice, my, my original home is quite far away. Um, the other thing I want to say is just the Holy Spirit in this room is pinging off the walls. It's just massive. Um, I woke up this morning and I said to God, God, I'm going to a different church. You have anything for me? Why don't I say that every day? I don't know. <laughs> and God said, Kavarni. Okay, God. And what people with prophetic gifting did before Google Translate, I can't possibly imagine. <laughs> um, so I actually got here and thought, God, do you have anything for me? Oh, yeah, you already gave it to me. Yeah, got it. And so um, went out to the prayer meeting beyond the double doors. Thought, must look this up. So I looked it up. It's Hungarian. Um, God sometimes gives me words in foreign languages. I don't know why. It means to stir, quite literally to stir. And it was quite ironic because um, my poor wife is cooking food for 60 people tomorrow night. And how? 14. 40 people. It feels like 60. <laughs> and, and she had that, that morning of waking up kind of in despair, thinking all this stuff I've done is a total disaster and it's not going to work. And we hopefully have sorted out a solution. Um, and it's interesting. Kavarni, Hungarian. The only Hungarian dish I've ever heard of or had is goulash. And goulash is just an unbelievable amount of stuff all and you stick it together and it creates this amazing thing. And God wants you to know this, that you are to be goulash. You are all the different ingredients in this church. And one of the interesting things when you cook is when you cook, you usually put something in quite early, and that stays there for a long time. And at the end, you put in different things. And when you put things in is important, and it has a real effect on what you create. Some of you have been Christians for a very, very, very long time. Some of you have been Christians for a much shorter period of time. That's important and useful. Don't think because you've been a Christian for 50 years that you sort of did it all 47 years ago. Don't think that if you've been a Christian for two and a half weeks that you're not really part of the team. When God gives out his Holy Spirit, he doesn't say, well, you can have a bit. Okay, well, you can have a lot, but, you know, you'll have used it up pretty quickly, and I'm not going to give you any more. Your portion of the Holy Spirit is the same. And if you believe that, you have the creator of the entire universe in you. The creator of the entire universe. And your portion, there's no male, there's no female, there's no black, white, yellow, purple, whatever. You have the creator of the universe inside you, and he wants you together, all of you together. Look around. Think how many people in this room do I actually talk to? Do I know? <laughs> Fix that. That's how you make goulash. Everybody talks to each other. You all have a role to play. If you've been here 47 years, you have a role to play. If you've been here two weeks, you have a role to play. There's something special in this room. There really, really, really is. I can feel it in my bones. So, John, um, what's the word again? Kavarni. Kavarni. So, there we go. You've come, you've come to church and you've learned a Hungarian word. Thank you, John. Uh, 
Giovanni. And isn't that great? We've uh, welcomed seven people into membership here this morning. Um, Actually, the new ingredients don't just sit on the top because they don't actually do the effect or have the effect that we want them to have, do they? So actually, there's something significant about everything being stirred together that we're connecting one with another across the board for God to work out his purposes here in this place. I was um, praying for you this week, and I I had a picture of you as a church in what was a number of meadows. Green grass spread out before you. It's coming to the end of winter and just saw almost the journey of the church walking forward. And the seasons began to change. And as it turned from winter to summer, just saw wild meadow flowers beginning to appear. And as you carried on across the fields and you turned to summer, different summer flowers began to appear. And throughout the whole of the journey through the seasons, there was new life and new growth around you. I don't know if you've seen the film um, Notting Hill. Do you remember that scene in Notting Hill where um, it's Hugh Grant, isn't it? He, he, he takes a walk through the marketplace and the seasons change and different things appear. And this is what I saw for you as a church, that as you walk across the fields that God has given you, that he is going to cause new life and new growth to come about. That actually it's not just... In six months, in a year's time, we may see some new growth. And actually, from now on, God wants to be causing new growth, new flowers to be grown up amongst you. Can I ask you to stand and can we just pray into these two words? Because if God's speaking, then it's important for us to say yes and amen if we, if we believe that. And, uh, and just to remind us of David's word two Sundays ago. That was last week. It was last week. Spring is here. And there, there are little you know, buds are coming in, are bursting into bloom. Spring is here. There you go. So, so God speaks for a purpose. I think Sarah's got something. Do you want to come forward, Sarah? <clears throat> I think it's on the same theme. It's just a couple of passages about um, Jesus giving us the Holy Spirit. So I'm just going to read them out. So this is when Jesus came and stood amongst his people. Just, just reminded that when, he, when Jesus said, if you get together in my name, I am here. So I was saying to the kids at the back, And I just felt God reminded me of these passages. So Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And then the other passage that I was reminded on is right at the end of Revelation. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. The Lord is here. He wants to pour out his spirit here. He wants you to come. He wants you to say to him, come. He is sending you. And he wants to give you his spirit. So Jesus said, look at the fields, they're white for harvest. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers out into the field. And that's you and me. That's what God wants to do through us here in this, this place. So should we, should we open our, our hands and our hearts up to him? We're going we're gonna to ask Jesus to come and fill us afresh with Holy Spirit. Mm. Father, we thank you that you're a God who speaks. Father, we thank you that you give gifts by your spirit for the good of your church. And Father, we, we thank you for, for Kuvani, that word of stirring 
mixing all together. Father, we thank you for each one of us here in this place today. Father, we thank you for those who have been part of this fellowship for many years. Father, we thank you for those who have stood up before us this morning who are new members, part of this fellowship, committing to you and your purposes in this place through us, this people. And Father, we do ask, would you cause us to be stirred up? Holy Spirit, would you stir us up in a good way that we rub shoulders one with another, that the gifts you've given us are used for the building up of everyone in the church? And Father, that as we are mixed together, we would have such a distinctive aroma and flavor, Father, that many would come to know you through us, your people, in this place. And Father, we thank you for the word brought last week. Spring is here. New shoots are are sprouting and taking shape. Father, we thank you for that picture of of, uh, different flowers in different seasons continually growing all across the meadow. Father, we pray, let your kingdom come and your will be done here in Herne Bay, here amongst us, your people, as it is in heaven. Father, would you cause us to see what you are doing as we go about our daily lives? Father, would you help us to know you are with us? And Father, may we see new life sprouting up around us. May we recognize that new life. And Father, would you use us to cause that new life to grow? to continue to grow, to to be discipled, Jesus, as you are at work. So we heard there from your word, you, Jesus, promising, praying for your spirit. Jesus, we look to our Father, Father. Jesus said, if we ask you, won't you give us much more the Holy Spirit? So, Father, we ask, would you fill us afresh now by your Holy Spirit? Would you help us to know you in increased measure, Father. Jesus, would you help us to know you in increased measure? Holy Spirit, would you help us to know you in increased measure? That we would be a people about your work. Come and minister through us, we pray, for your glory. Amen. Amen? Would you like to take your seats? We'll uh, open God's word up together. I want to spend just a few moments thinking about Jesus and some of the words that he spoke and the scriptures that he read um, after coming out of the wilderness. Remember, he was um, baptized by John. Father spoke, affirming who Jesus was. It does that. I'll carry on. So, so uh, Father spoke and affirmed who Jesus was and Holy Spirit descended like a dove on him, and then he was led by the Spirit out into the wilderness where he was um, tested for 40 days. Coming back out of the wilderness, we're going to read what happens next. If you've got your Bibles, let's turn to Luke chapter 4, and we'll begin to read from verse 14. These are going to be familiar words to you, I'm sure. But I believe that God wants to speak to us today, his people in this place, about knowing who we are, knowing what we are called to, and to help us to remember to be a people of purpose in all that we do. That out of understanding our identity in Christ, and the calling that he's placed on our life, that we will be a people of purpose wherever we go, whatever we do, whatever the particularities of our life are, that we'll be a people about his kingdom business. So to begin to think about that, I want us to read these words of Jesus, that after being tempted in the wilderness, having been um, anointed by Holy Spirit, 
had him been declared the son of God by his father at his baptism, Jesus came and proclaimed who he was. You see, Jesus knew exactly who he was. He understood his identity. He knew what he had come to do, what he was called to do here on earth. And he lived his life, as we read through the, the, the Gospels, we can see that he lived with tremendous purpose at every moment of every day. So that God's plans will be worked out through him. So Luke 4, verse 14. We'll begin to read. And Jesus returns in the reading from the ESV. Jesus returns in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And reports about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in the synagogues, and he taught in the, their synagogues, uh, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled it, unrolled the scroll, and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captive, and recovery of sight to the blinds to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. He rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marvelled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. Here we have, as we said, is Jesus at the beginning of his earthly ministry, having been anointed by the Father, having been tempted by the devil, beginning his public ministry. He goes into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stands up to read the scroll, and he reads from Isaiah 61. I'm sure we know that. And he declares for all to hear who he was, why he had come, and what the purpose of his coming was for all to hear. He declared that today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. You see, Jesus understood his identity. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. You see, Jesus knew that he was the anointed one. Jesus knew that he was the Messiah. Jesus knew that he was the Christ. The one that had been promised beforehand. He knew who he was. And he also knew why he had come. He had come to proclaim good news to the poor. He had been sent to proclaim liberty to the captive. Declaration of freedom. Recovery of sight to the blind. Those that couldn't see would now be able to see that which was impossible for them to do beforehand, to set at liberty those who were oppressed, those who were trodden down, pushed down, under tremendous pressure. Jesus had come to bring liberty, to bring freedom, to bring life to them, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. You see, Jesus knew he was the Christ. He knew he was the anointed one. He was the one that had been promised 
of old, the one who would come. And he came proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. He came proclaiming liberty, freedom, healing, recovery. And he came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. I don't know if you know the, uh, your Leviticus very uh, well. What we read in Leviticus is, is a year of favour of the Lord, a year of jubilee. Every 50 years uh, is to be a fallow year, there to be two fallow years, that the, the people aren't to work, that the God is going to supply the people of all that they need. That if you had been sold into slavery or you had given your land to someone else, that on the 50th year, everything would go back to how it was meant to be. When the people of Israel went into the promised land, um, God apportioned the land, didn't he? Tribe by tribe and clan by clan. The God said, everyone is to have an inheritance in my kingdom. Everyone is going to have a, a portion of my goodness in my kingdom. And through hard times and difficulties, bad choices and circumstances, some people found that the land that they had, they couldn't keep. And the blessings that God had given to them, they couldn't hold on to. And, uh, and they found themselves having to give up that which God had given to them. And they found that they had to sell off and sell even themselves off into slavery. And I think it's Leviticus 25 that talks about the year of Jubilee. The year of the Lord's favour, when everyone is restored back to their rightful position. And when Jesus reads these words, he, he, he leaves out the bit in Isaiah 61, vengeance of our God. I think that's more eschatological. That's a big word for this time in the morning, isn't it? So that's more end, to end times things that, that actually we see in Isaiah 61, a, a, a dual-focused prophecy. One talking about Jesus' first coming, the year of the Lord's favour, and one talking about Jesus' second coming, when he comes to judge the living and the dead. Here Jesus Jesus only proclaims the year of the Lord's favour. I have come, the anointed one, the Messiah, I've come to proclaim liberty, to bring freedom to you. I have come, the purpose is, is to usher in the kingdom of God. Those that Jesus ministered to and encountered, didn't he say the kingdom has come upon you now? The kingdom is near. The kingdom is coming. Here Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, he proclaimed the purpose of his being here with us. The year of the Lord's favour. Those who are slaves will be restored. Those who have lost everything will be given back to. I've come to bring liberty. I've come to bring sight. I have come to bring life. Jesus didn't only know who he was. He didn't know just what he was called to do. Uh, and he didn't just know the purpose for which he had come. He actually did who he was to be. He was who he was called to be. He did what he was called to do. And he brought in the purpose of what he had come to accomplish. If you've got your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew chapter 11. And whilst you're finding that, I just apologise because I do speak rather quickly. Matthew chapter 11. Read from verse 2 to 6. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent words by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? Jesus answered them, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame they walk, lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, 
The dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not, who is not offended by me. So John, knowing what God had said, John, the forerunner of the Messiah, the cousin of Jesus, who had been preaching in the wilderness, uh, uh, bringing a baptism of repentance, preparing the way for the Lord, the one who said, I shouldn't baptize you, but he says, your will. He, he does what Jesus says to him. He sends words by his disciples why he, in, why he is in prison before he's beheaded to inquire, Jesus, are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one that was promised or should we look for another? And what does Jesus do? He says, well, you judge for yourself. Just report back what you see. Just report back what you hear. You see, the blinds, they see. The lame, they walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf are hearing, the dead are raised The poor have good news. They can come, they can buy, they can eat. Even if they have no money, they can come to the Christ. Am I the Christ? Well, look at what you see around me. You see, Jesus knew who he was. Jesus knew what he was called to. Jesus understood the purpose by which he had come or for which he had come. And Jesus walked in his identity, he walked in his calling, and he outworked the purposes of his Father. So much so, when he's questioned, he could give answers. Will you judge for yourselves? Matthew fifteen twenty nine. Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee. He went up to the mountain and sat down there. And the crowds, they came to him. Bringing with him the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and they put them at his feet. He healed them, so that the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. You see, before Jesus did any of these things, he declared for all to hear. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He declared his calling, what he had come to do, the purposes for which he had come. And what we see throughout the Gospels is Jesus walking in his identity, his calling, not forgetting the purpose for which he had come. Do you remember that time where he had been healing all night and he'd been teaching all day and uh, he had gone away with his disciples and early in the morning he went out to quiet places to pray. And the people were looking for him. They, they had more for him to do and his disciples came and found him and said, what are you doing out here? Let's, let's go back. The crowds are gathering. And Jesus says, no, I've got to be about my father's business. And he carried on on the pathway that was before him. You see, Jesus knew who he was. He knew what he was called to. He was outworking his purposes as he listened to his father, as he followed his father leading. John 5, Jesus says, when he's questioned about healing the lame man at the pool of Bethesda, he says, I only do what I see my father doing. That's why I did that today, because that's what my father is doing. Jesus knew who he was. Jesus knew what he was called to. 
And Jesus fulfilled the purposes for why he was calling, for why he was sent. Got your Bibles? Let's turn to Matthew chapter 4. And we're going to see that what Jesus knew of himself, he began to reveal to those that he was calling to be part of his family. The disciples he was calling to himself. You see, you see who he was, we are to be like him as followers of Christ. That we are to be about his work today as he was then. You read the beginning of Acts and you see, you see Luke beginning to write of what Jesus continues to do. How does Jesus continue to work in Acts? Following on from what we see in Luke's gospel, he continues to work through his church as the spirit anoints and enables and empowers. Right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, having declared this, Jesus calls disciples to himself. Matthew chapter 4, 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he did a lot of that in his time, he, sent, uh, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting their nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, and in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left their boats and their father, and they followed him. You see, when Jesus began to call his first disciples, he called them to be with him. He called them into relationship because out of that relationship, they will find a new identity in Christ. They didn't know it yet. They didn't understand it. We see many examples of that throughout the Gospels, misunderstanding who they were, who he was, what he had come to do. But with the baptism of the Spirit at Pentecost, with the anointing of the Spirit, they began to talk eloquently about what Jesus had done and why he had come and who they now were in him. But here we see Jesus calling them to follow him. Come and spend time with me. For I have purpose for you. I've called you to be fishers of men. One of these men that Jesus called Peter, he later on says this in his letter, 1 Peter 2 verse 9. You, talking to the church, you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his glorious life. You see, having been called by Jesus to spend time with him, come follow me, their identity in him changed. And Peter could later on declare who the people of God now are in him. That we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, through whom God is glorified. Matthew 10, verse 5. Let's turn over. Lots of scriptures today. As they spent time with Jesus, as they uh, listened to him, heard him, observed what he was doing, Jesus then called the twelve and he sent them out in twos. He commissioned them to go and do what he had been doing. You see, God's plan was always through the Christ to bring a way and to open up a way of us coming to know God. To bring in the year of the Lord's favour. Jubilee, liberty for all. 
And that those who are born part of his family and brought close to him, he has a calling and a purpose for them to outwork. And here we see the disciples beginning to walk in that and stepping out beyond what they had done before. John 10 verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent out, um, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, give without paying. You see, he called them to a purpose. He called them to go and proclaim. And as they go and they proclaim the good news of the kingdom, they are to demonstrate the kingdom and its power, that they were to be people of purpose, that those that were bound were to be set free. Those that were to be trapped were to to have liberty brought upon them. Those that were dead were to be made alive. Do you remember the report of the disciples when they came back? They came back excited. Even the demons listened to us. They were overwhelmed. There's power. In your kingdom. It was almost like they were surprised. It's like, well, we went out and did what you said because you're the boss and you did. We did what you said we would do. Jesus, after he had died, was buried, rose again. He, he commissioned his disciples. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I'll be with you to the very end of the age. We know these words so well, don't we? His disciples were called to be with him, to have their identity shaped by him, and to be a people about his kingdom. They're calling us to be kingdom people. And as they go, the purpose of being kingdom people is that people will be set free. People will be liberated. That new life would come and grow up through them. What happens? Exactly that. Day of Pentecost, spirit falls, 3,000 are added to the church. A little time later, preached again, more were added, 5,000 were added to the church. Day by day, the church was growing. As the disciples understood who they were, why they were there, and outworked God's purposes through them. And his kingdom expanded. Just want to ask you this morning, do you know who you are? Do you know God's calling on your life? Do you know the purposes that he's seeking to outwork through you? It's each one of us. It's not just me. It's not just Steve. It's not just ones or twos of us. If we believe in Jesus Christ, then we've been called to be part of God's family That's who we are. That's our identity. We've been called to join him in his work so that others will find liberty and come to know him. Do you know that today? I don't know about you. I get distracted. I get distracted by things. I get distracted by busyness. I get distracted by by doubts. But we are to be a people who remind ourselves of who we are, what we have been called to, and making sure that we're outworking his purpose wherever you are, whatever you do, whatever life God has placed you in. God has placed us each in different lives, hasn't he? 
that we have different families and we have different relationships and different friends and different places that we go. Some of us work and some of us don't work. Some of us belong to clubs and other of us don't. But all of us connect with people somewhere. Have you ever had that experience where you're walking down the road and you see someone and you just can't place them? They're out of context, and you're thinking, where do I know them? And it bugs you for the rest of the day. Quite often, I find that it's the ladies that serve in the local spa shop opposite us. Uh, I see them somewhere else, and I think I know you, but I don't really know you because I don't know your name. So I try and work it out. Who are you? God has given us relationships. Some of them are well-formed, and some of them are not well-formed. But God has placed us in lives that through every area of life, God wants us to be about his purposes, that he wants us to follow his calling, so that his purposes could be outworked where he has given us. I wonder if you can reach out your arms for you, for me. Not for you. You probably don't want to. I did this at uh, the Vine a few weeks ago. Have a little look around. Some of us have some really big, Steve's got really big reach. Some of us have a more T-Rex in our reach. We're uh, <laughs> But the truth is, each one of us has got a reach, isn't it? You can put your arms down now. That's all right. You see, I, I, could have, I could have kept that going for a long time, but I thought, no, let's not. So, so God has given each one of us a reach, a physical reach, how far we can reach. But he's given each one of us a reach in life. People that we connect with, people that we are in relationship, people that he has placed around us. Some of them may be just in Herne Bay, our reach is around this area. Some of us may have a reach into other communities beyond Herne Bay. Maybe around Kent. Some of us maybe have a reach into the UK. There may be some amongst us that actually God has connected us with people and people of influence around the world. Whatever our reach, God wants to be using the lives that he's placed us in for his kingdom purposes. That we are to know as his disciples knew that we've been called to be fishers of men. That we are to go and make disciples that we are to be about his business, even if we're on business or pleasure. That whether we're swimming or at bowls or whatever else we do, part of the darts club, whatever it is that we do, in a finance meeting, wherever we are, we're his kingdom people there to proclaim good news to the poor, to bring liberty to those who are oppressed, to recovery of sight to those who are blind. John, in his letter, 1 John 3, says this. See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. Do you know that you're a child of God today? If you believe in Jesus Christ, you're a child of God. What is it that Paul says? We're heirs, co-heirs with Christ, seated in heavenly places. If you're a child of God, do you know your position? I am Royalty. I remember a, a man many years ago, because I'm aging now, about 25 years ago, he, 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 said, he said, head up, chest out, you're a son of the king. Do you feel like that when you're going to your business meeting or to your, your swimming class or whatever it is? Head up, chest out, you're a child of the king. I don't know if you observe the royal family in their, in their different affairs. When they walk, they walk with presence. Some more than others, but... They don't need to be reminded who they are because they know who they are. Do you know that you're a child of the king today? Because that's what scripture says. That's what John just says, the closest friend of Jesus. Reminding, this is love, that we've been made children of God. That's who we are. 
We're children of God. We have an identity that makes us part of royalty. The creator of the heavens and the earth chose me and adopted me to be part of his family. Does that blow your mind? He chose you too. Chose each one of us that believe in his son, Jesus. John, the same man, says this in his gospel. John 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. The words of Jesus. And anointed you that you should go and bear fruit. That your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask in the Father uh, in my name, he may give it to you. I've chosen you that you would bear fruit. And that your fruit should abide. It will last. God has called us to be part of his family. And he said earlier on in this chapter, John 15, if you remain in me, Jesus said, and I remain in you, you'll bear much fruit. You'll bear fruit, he says, you'll bear more fruit and you'll bear much fruit. It's a promise of God. So God's promise over your life is your life will bear fruit. And that that fruit will abide. What is the fruit that abides? It's not our cars, it's not our possessions, it's not our earthly wealth. It's kingdom. It's the relationships. It's the investment in others. It's them coming to faith and growing in him. God promises that we will bear fruit, and through us, that fruit that comes through what we do will remain. That's encouraging, isn't it? This is Jesus. He doesn't tend to lie. He doesn't tend to make false promises. You see, we are called that we would bear fruit. We're called to be about his work. That we who are fruit will bear more fruit, and that fruit would remain. And what will happen to that fruit? Well, that fruit becomes this fruit, and that fruit will bear fruit that will remain. And what happens to that fruit? That fruit becomes this fruit, and that fruit will produce more fruit, and that fruit will remain. Disciples making disciples, making disciples, making disciples, making disciples. That's what we've been called to. Can I tell you this? It never ends. It never comes to an end. I don't read anywhere in Scripture that, that, that God says, you've done a good job and you've done so many years, you, you can retire now from the kingdom and just take it easy. That's, that's not declared, is it? Have I missed something? It's not declared for each one of us. We are called into his family. We're called to be part of his mission, to outwork his calling and to be people of purpose. Paul says this, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This morning, I I really want to encourage you to think about your walk, your walk with God. You see, we can make our walk with God a private thing, and it's all about me. And quite often, we can distill it down to how I'm feeling. And our walk with him is not about simply how we feel. It's about his calling, his purposes, and my obedience to his call and to his purposes. Ephesians 1, Paul writes this. I therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in the manner worthy of your calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another, in love. You see, before this, Paul has said, the church, God's manifold wisdom, 
is displayed through us. Have a look around again. Go and have a look around. His manifold wisdom. The wisdom that says, I'm going to take Jew and Gentile. At a particular time, I'm going to make my plans made known and I'm going to make one new man. That wisdom is seen through us. That we who believe in his son can have everlasting life. That wisdom is displayed through us. His multifaceted goodness is seen through us. His multifaceted church. We are different people called into different lives. God prepared works for each one of us to do, that we to walk in them. But we have the same calling and the same purpose, that we are called to go and make disciples so that there will be liberty, so that there will be freedom, so that there will be new life that can then start on the journey of going and making disciples. Are you up for that? You may have been part of that journey for many years, but it's always good to remind ourselves, who am I? Knowing who we are. What am I doing? Why am I here? Understanding what we call to, and then making sure we're outworking his purposes wherever we are. Can I encourage you to stand? Jesus said, wait, receive power, then be my witnesses. Jesus doesn't ask us to do something that we can't do because he says, I'm with you and my spirit will be in you and it's actually me doing it through you. So after something like this, the best thing for us to do is say, God, help us. God, help us to understand who we are. God, help us to know what you've called us to and what that looks like in our lives. And God, would your purposes of bringing liberty and freedom be seen through each one of us, that each one of us would bear fruit and fruit that endures. It's not just us, but it's new life. Should we pray for that? Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is true, consistent. Thank you that we can, we can trust you in what you have revealed to us. And Father, we, we thank you for your son, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you that you knew who you were. Thank you that you knew the call of him was on your life. And Jesus, we thank you that you outworked the purposes of the Father. And Jesus, we want to pray for ourselves this morning here. Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters here today. Father, would you help each one of us to know who we are in you. Help us to understand our identity, not in ourselves, but in you, Christ. Jesus, we thank you that because of you, we are made children of God. Father, you love us so much that you've adopted us into your family. We praise your glorious name. And Father, beyond understanding our identity, but Father, so much help us to understand our identity. As we read the scriptures, as we think about who we are, may we understand that we are royalty in the household of God. That we can have confidence in coming before you. We can approach you with complete freedom because you, Jesus, have paid the price for us all. We are now righteous in your sight. But Father, I pray for us this week in whatever lives you've given to us, whatever reach we have into different communities or sectors or or relationships. Father, would you help us to know your calling? 
that we are called to make disciples. And Father, may we know your presence with us, that wherever we go, your kingdom is. And we pray again, let your kingdom come and your will be done in our lives that surround us. And Father, may we see your purposes outworked. Father, we pray that the blind would see. Father, we pray that the lame would walk. The prisoners would have liberty. The oppressed released. The dead rise. We pray this for the spiritual sense of it. We pray this for the physical sense of it. Father, as people see us, may they see your kingdom. May you be glorified, our Father in heaven. And Father, may the communities around here, may Herm Bay be affected by each one of us. This week, we pray, Father. We look to you. We trust you. You are good. You are God. You are a God who is faithful to his every word. Now, hearing your words, Father, help us. Help us today. Help us tomorrow to outwork all that you've called us to. May we see your purposes flourish around us like wild flowers popping up in the meadow. The harvest is plentiful. Father, we pray, would you help us as we go out into the harvest fields to see many souls saved. We thank you for the seven new members here today. And we pray, Father, for more over this next month. More, Father. Would you add more to us? Would you continue to do your work, not for our glory, but for your glory? We pray this, Jesus, in your wonderful name. Amen.